of gold. One time out of ten, two times won't you be mine? We just can't pretend. This love thing can take time. Three times that I'm in. There we go. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host on the coast, who ain't scared of no ghost, Jeff Nesbitt. It is Saturday, August 26th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Yeah, that's right. And I am nervous because I am running Hood to Coast tomorrow. What is Hood to Coast, you ask? Well, Hood to Coast is a relay race. You and 11 of your friends just get in a van, two vans actually, drive to the top of a mountain, and then run down all the way till you hit the ocean. That's basically it. It's 200 miles, 199 actually, and it's a blast. I've done it a few times now. I've done a few different versions of it, and this is the hard one. It takes two days. You gotta sleep on the ground, if at all, and it's it's just a, a blast. Shout out to my Hood to Coast team, the North Jetty Brew Crew, and thank you to North Jetty, the North Jetty Brewery in Long Beach, or Seaview, Washington. Probably Seaview. I don't know. It's right there on the line somewhere. But it's a great place. They have great beer. It's nice atmosphere, and you can bring kids in there until a certain time of night, of course. Yeah, and I really recommend it. It's a good place. All right. I got to get in the groove. Feeling kind of distracted today. And it's really just because I'm excited. I'm excited to go run. I'm excited to go do something hard. I like doing hard stuff. It really makes you wonder, though, like, what is it about running and triathlons or really any of the endurance sports? What is it about those sports that people like? Why do, why do they attract people so much? Is it a certain type of people? Because there are definitely people who think, no way, I'm not ever doing something like that. And if, if you even suggest it, they act like you're crazy. So I don't know what the difference is. It's not whether or not they're healthy enough to do it or fit enough to do it. That does play a role, but... I know lots of very fit people who do not like to do endurance sports. And I know a lot of very unfit people who do enjoy it and try their best. So, you know, not very many, but I've known some in my life. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fun trip. Fun is probably not the right word, but I'm excited for it regardless. It's just fun to do something that's a culmination. I've been training for a while. It's been months now since I signed up, so I'm ready for it to just be done and get it out of the way. Plus, the best part of any kind of a running endeavor for me is right after. You got the endorphin rush. Everybody's happy. You don't really care if you won or not. I usually didn't. It's just a good feeling. Yeah, that's a nice drive back home. That's that post-race euphoria. I love it. Always have. What am I doing now? I don't know. But yeah, running. It's weird. When you get out there, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark still. And there's just headlamps everywhere. You just see people scurrying around in the dark. Everyone's wearing glowing clothes and 
it's just a bunch of weirdos, a bunch of strange people to go out in the middle of nowhere and run in a giant group like that. Imagine if you're the aliens, you know, you're up above watching from your cameras and you see this large gathering of these weird humanoid things all lit up and just scampering through the dark in a single file line. What would you think? Like, well, how would you explain that strange occurrence? Think about if we saw, if we were observing some animals in the wild, and then all of a sudden they just lined up and started racing. It'd be weird. It'd be weird in, in, in places that they normally wouldn't even go. You see those extreme races that like go through the desert. I don't know, remember what they're called anymore, but there's a lot. The Badwater, what's the Death Valley one? I don't know. But yeah, there are people all over this planet who just like to push it to the limit. Take it to the limit. Take it to the limit. One more time. <clears throat> Man, it would be really hard to be deaf because I have hearing issues. I get congestion, I would call it, in my left ear. It feels very tight in with my nose. I'll plug my nose sometimes and try to pop my ears and it doesn't usually work hey that kind of did though i can feel my voice the normal way i hate the way my voice sounds and feels when it's like way caught up in my throat but then if i force it out too much then i get a lot of popping you know i gotta find a nice healthy medium i think that right there is is like the very best that i could do yeah right there i think that'll sound fantastic okay I think I like it better without the headphones. I wonder if it sounds better. It makes me less stressed. I don't feel like everybody is paying attention to what I'm doing right now. I just feel like I'm sitting in my shed recording myself talking, which is what it, which is exactly what I'm doing. So that's how I should feel. When I have the headphones on, I for some reason feel like everybody's like listening, which you're not yet, but now you are. You weren't when I recorded this, which is, to me is the present, but to you is the past. So I have to put my mind into the future to understand the present. Obviously. If you want to connect with Ramble by the River on social media, you can find us at Ramble by the River on Facebook and Instagram and at Ramble River Pod on Twitter. So check that out. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We'll probably follow you back if you're cool. If you're a creep, definitely not. We're very picky about who we follow on the Ramble. If you have any guest suggestions or you'd like to advertise on the podcast, shoot an email to admin1, A-D-M-I-N, the number one, at ramblebytheriver.com. Admin1 at ramblebytheriver.com. Speaking of ramblebytheriver.com, that is where you can find all the most recent updates about the show which is mostly just the most recent episode. We'll post that every week. And it's a great place that you can find information if you need to contact us or whatever. Check it out, ramblebytheriver.com. Ramble by the River is made possible by the generous contributions from our listeners. Now, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but I'm going to mention it again because I have to. You're probably listening to this on a free service like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But did you know there's actually a place where you can find behind-the-scenes content, get access to merch. Not a lot of merch yet, just a t-shirt, but there will be more. That shit's expensive. 
And in addition to those things, you get access to Ramble on the Road, the companion podcast to Ramble by the River. That's the show where I get a little bit more personal, talk about my hopes and dreams, fears and sorrows. It's a good show. I have a lot of fun making it because I kind of just treat it as a therapy session. Or a diary if you want. Dear diary, I killed a chicken today. And it made me sad. But not that sad. If you'd like to become a member of the Ram Fam, which is what we call the Patreon group, head on over to RambleByTheRiver.com and click subscribe at the top of the page. I make it real easy, put the link at the top of the page on every page of the whole website. So it should always just say subscribe at the top, click that, it'll take you right to Patreon. And that will allow you to select a subscription tier. We only have two options, basic and premium. I highly recommend the premium because you have access to everything, but the basic is pretty good too. You get most stuff. They're both pretty cheap, so whatever you can afford is great. Anyway, enough blabbering on about that. Do it if you're interested. Patreon.com slash RambleByTheRiver or RambleByTheRiver.com. Click subscribe at the top of the screen. It has been such a crazy busy week for me and my family. We're getting ready to go back to school. Been doing some podcasts, been working like crazy. Summer's coming to a close. So I'm trying to get everything done while I've got a chance. And that makes for some long days. But life is good. Life is good. I like being busy. I think it's it's better that way. Staying happy, staying healthy. Getting ready for this race has been keeping me accountable, keeping me from just eating a ton of junk food and never working out. So I've been working out a little bit, trying to eat good and feeling good. I really am looking forward to this race. I think it's going to be a really good time. So shout out once more to all my fellow Hood to Coast runners. I hope you guys check out the podcast. I should just wear a t-shirt that says Ramble by the River on it, but I don't want to. I don't want attention while I'm running. I don't want anyone to talk to me. I just want to be able to run. and I'm like a ghost. I come and I go. Got to stay hydrated. And also you got to keep your electrolytes at the right levels. Not too much, but not too little. Just right. The Goldilocks level of electrolytes. I'm going to use liquid IV. It's cheap. You can get it at Costco, and it works really well. It's just like Gatorade or any of those other things. They say it's better, but who knows? I don't think it is. I think it's the same. Oh, fuck. That scared me. I don't know why that happened. But a cord just randomly unwound here in the studio. I always find it so strange when there's random movements out here. Like something falls off a shelf or... A cord unravels because I'm not out here all that often and what are the chances that that happens when I'm out here like I don't know does that mean it's happening at that rate when I'm not out here too are cords just unraveling themselves all the time I know they do there's tension in the cord but that was creepy especially because I've talked about ghosts twice on this podcast already I ain't scared of no ghost but I kind of a little bit am Now, I'm going to wrap this thing up. My guest today is one of the founding members of the Brownsmead Flats, which is a singing group out of Brownsmead. They're fantastic. Ned is a very interesting man. He hitchhiked across the country, decided to write a musical about it, and has produced that musical several times. He's a father. 
He's a husband, and he is a talented conversationalist. Without further ado, please give it up for the adventurous and charismatic Ned Heavenrich. Chest now, say it with your chest I'm now. Young, I'm free. Can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to ride it out. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time to ride it. I'm young. I'm free. Can't nobody take me Cape D and your daughter is just amazing dancer. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was beautiful. There was a lot of joy in that crowd. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it's a lovely place to play, and from a, you know, a, someone who plays music there, the the amphitheater, the sound comes back so well. Does it? It's like having your own monitor system. That's cool. And uh, yeah. You know, often we've played in uh, places where um, there's a delay, and so it's really hard when that music is coming back at you a half second after you've... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you could even do that. How can you even play? It's it's You just have to focus, you know? I have tried to, to record, just talking, a podcast on uh, this program that there's a small delay. Uh-huh. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't. I, it was too uh, distracting. I had to turn the monitor way down. Speaking of distracting, I'm going to grab my clamp art before it falls down in the middle of the recording. Okay. The clamp piece there? Yeah. That's really cool. I did that on accident. I was trying to think yeah. of a conservative in a way to save space. Yeah. I only have a couple of those, so it'd be hard to do that, but I like what you did there. I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna wear these while we talk for a minute while just so I can dial them in. Feel yeah. free to throw those on. Sure. And then get used to them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I I'm trying to renovate a little bit so I can get this place video ready because I started filming podcasts last week. Oh my gosh! So I'm gonna try to get them on YouTube. It's so much work to do all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. You it's, need an engineer. I know. I need. I could use, <laughs> I could use a few employees to work for free. <laughs> Uh, so you've done some radio, huh? Yeah, quite a bit. With uh, KMUN? The only one, yeah. yeah. What, what did you, uh, and if you don't mind just jumping right into yeah, it, sure. tell, me, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Feel free to adjust the mic however you I, need to. I'm not sure where you uh, want it. So. Oh, so have it about six inches or so away from your face? Okay. I've got it dialed in to where you, it's a little bit more sensitive, uh, so you don't have to get super close. Yeah. Just okay. in case you want to play the guitar. Oh, that's, that's nice and it's, clear. It's pretty sharp. Yeah. I like these mics. They're, they're surprisingly good for the price. I've experimented a little bit with the USB uh -huh. mics, like the kind you plug into a computer. Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're almost too precise mm -hmm. they, like they pick up every little rustle every sound of the room these things seem to really zero in are these a large diaphragm i don't know mm -hmm. but they don't look that large <laughs> the uh the sure mic that's like the classic that they right. record like the they 57 yes. 58 mm -hmm. yes this is like the little brother 
of these. Oh. They just came out with these in the last couple of years. It's like specifically for podcasting. That one right there has a USB plug in in the back of it so you can plug it into a computer okay. or use the XLR cable, mm-hmm. which I like the, the XLR cable a lot better where it just gets its power right from the box. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. Um, anyway, you were going to tell me about KMUN. Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, I think about a year or a year and a half after it started up, so I think that was 83, I uh, ended up sharing a program, uh, I think for almost 10 years, yeah. It was called Rhythm Bound, and it was sort of, you know, soul and blues and stuff like that. Like uh, every every other Friday, I shared it with a guy named Bob Berg. And... Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then... Um, was that a particular era or it just anything in that genre? I grew up listening to... Well, I was... I grew up in just outside Detroit, so Motown was a big thing. But I also got into the blues clubs that were available there. And uh, so I was really uh, um, entranced with uh, the Chicago blues. Yeah. And so... Um, that was kind of it. A lot of uh, Muddy Waters and uh, James Cotton and um, old-style bluesmen. Were those some of the inspirations for you to become a musician? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I didn't really start... I, I wasn't musical at, at an early age. When and did I, you finally start becoming musical? I, I think I was 17. I just decided... Um, I was going to buy, I was going to, I, I love James Cotton and Paul Butterfield, who are great harmonica players. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I got a, a book and a harmonica and, and then I just carried it with me everywhere and uh, did a lot of hitchhiking and blowing the harp while I was waiting for a ride. You start with just the, the standard C harp? Absolutely. The Marine Band C that's the one I've got. Yeah, good. I, I pretty much did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Bought a, well, my mom bought me a harmonica when I was maybe 18. I think going off into the world, she expected me to do the same thing, kind of just carry it with me and play it when I was riding on trains, you know, you know, catching rides with strangers, that kind you of thing. You were hopping freight trains? I wasn't, but I think that's what she must have envisioned. Because <laughs> that's what I envisioned when I got it. And I ended up not using it for... 10 years or so, but, yeah. and it was the beginner's honer, honer, yeah. whatever that brown is. Mm-hmm, the honer, that, that was all there was. Mm-hmm. There, the it, they make a very solid instrument. That thing has lasted me. And so I still have that one, but I ended up buying a nicer version of the same thing, that same size C harp. Mm-hmm. And um, I do, I just play, I, I sometimes I play when I'm driving and just kind of trying to learn yeah. the songs that are just already in my head. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really a, way, a great way to, you know, to to pick up some melodies and yeah. it looks like fun what you're doing up there with the uh browns meet flats you know uh see we've been playing since in public since 1984 wow and three of us have been there the whole time and then one our banjo player ray ryla who he was the only guy who lives in browns mead uh it came on in the early 90s and then um so you need him to just be able to keep the title basically yeah 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 he's like the best in uh musician i've ever played with he's 
He was professional. The banjo player, is that what you said? Yeah, he's really good. He can play piano. He can play mandolin. He can play, he's got a, what the, a tiple now, a tipple, which is a kind of a South American uh, Hmm. instrument with 10 strings. I've never even heard of such a thing. Yeah, really high. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think they call them uh, charanga. Uh, If you hear uh, Andean music, you'll hear a really high pitched. um, Like Peruvian? Yeah. Yeah, Peruvian, you know, anywhere in the Andes, where, wherever that culture, you know, still exists. Yeah, cool. So yeah, very similar to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the guy is a—he's an amazing musician, and he uh, is uh, a vocalist, you know, with knowledge of all the harmonies. So he really kind of, <clears throat> you know. Uh, keeps us together. He can sing any part and sing it for whoever needs to sing a harmony part. I I really don't do harmonies very well. I'm a sort of melody guy. Harmonies are tricky. All of that's tricky. It is. It's, that's a yeah. really hard skill to master. Oh, singing with yeah. other people or alone or period. Yeah. yeah. But so you know, how you, often do you guys practice together? You know, we typically through the winter, uh, you know, fall and winter into spring because most of our stuff is outdoors and um we're not a bar band have we, you ever been no although uh, uh some some have been in other bands like that and ray especially but uh so most of our stuff is dependent on weather and you know from basically from memorial day through you know into october is kind of our shtick and i really like being outside now especially with you know covid stuff so yeah for sure i feel much more comfortable than we'll occasionally play like the fort george or something like that it's good family music it's good yeah. it, the outdoor venue fits it very well yeah you need room to do hand gestures like absolutely there's plenty of those <laughs> it's a lot of fun i i was I've been to enough of those shows now that I my my hands know them. My most of the oh, hand gestures good. I can do them. Yeah, it's all about repetition. Yeah, exactly. You know? And and of course, let's see, one, two, three, four of us uh, have either been worked in elementary schools or are connected to a teacher uh, through marriage or whatever, and uh, out in Napa, and. Um, and your wife was a teacher for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah, 30 years. And we had a music program out there that every day we would start off with. And so, like, for 15, 20 minutes, um, it was just singing kids' songs. So we love to do kids' songs, you know, uh, when good we perform. Brain. Yeah. Really good for the yeah, brain. Yeah, it is. I just heard a thing a couple of weeks ago about how uh, how highly correlated music skills are with math skills. It's like the opposing side of the brain. That's correct. It's, it's right in that same area. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It is it's very yeah. important. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's so important to exercise all parts of your brain. And as I age, you know, I find playing an instrument is really critical to that too. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful. Yeah, supposedly it battles cognitive decline mm-hmm. and Sudoku. <laughs> Get yourself I, some Sudoku. I'm, I'm into Sudoku. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you'll, you'll keep your yeah. The, yeah. The uh, pandemic has uh, created lots of opportunities to explore, and I love it numbers. Has. So it, 
So oh, speaking of cognitive decline, before we get too off topic, uh, I tend to be very scatterbrained. So I might jump off topic. I might pull you off topic and you might be like, oh, I was going to finish that story. Feel free to jump right back and finish it. Um, I will never be offended. Interrupt me as much as you want. Um, this is a free for all. Just enjoy. Enjoy the time. We got a couple hours. Tell stories, uh, give opinions, you know, get soapboxes, platforms if you got any, and just okay. uh, have fun. Okay. I, I've been around a lot of ADD people, so. That's me. Yeah. Great. <laughs> all right. Cool. Thank you so much for being here, Ned. You're welcome. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. Joining me today in the studio is Ned Heavenrich. Ned is a member of the Brownsmead Flats, and he's also a member of my extended family. He's my wife, Melissa's Uncle Ned. So thank you for being here, Uncle not, Ned. Not the rich Uncle Ned. <laughs> the rich Uncle What is that from? I, I recognize <laughs> I, that. I don't know. I don't know, but it's, uh, it, it's plagued me all my mm. uncle life. Yeah. Their name is And I've been an uncle for a long time. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> like 50, 60 years, my niece, my oldest niece just turned 62. So. Oh, wow. So you must have been a young, young one in the family. I, I was, yeah, second out of second from second youngest out of six wow so six six kids outside detroit what'd your parents do yeah uh my dad he had a uh his father had was his father or his grandfather no i think his father started at like a menswear suits and stuff like that so in fashion very fashionable, as you can see. Well, I see, yeah. yeah it <laughs> runs in the family. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, yeah, so my dad took, he and his brother ran that business. They had a few stores in the Detroit area. And my mom, you know, she was an RN, uh, but she didn't work uh, much when we were younger. So once we left the house... Once she got rid of all six of us, she went back to being a pediatrics nurse. Okay. Well, that must have taken a while. Was she, did you yeah. guys really spread apart, or were you kind of a cluster? Yeah, let, let's see. Uh, like uh, eight years, you know, between uh, the, the first two twins and mm. my, my younger brother. Okay. And then, um, so at, wh- how, when, what age did you leave? The, so you said outside Detroit. Was there a, like a, a suburb or something? That's right. Yeah, and we we were when I was two or something. We moved from the Detroit area out to it's called Birmingham, which is hmm. twenty miles from from the city center of Detroit. So, so then what was after that? What was after that? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna go through your whole life. Okay. Let's see. Um, also, can I get you anything to drink or anything like that? We have uh, bubbly water and things like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Um, what kind would you like? We got pomplemousse or a pastique. That's a grapefruit or watermelon. Yeah. I'll bring them both. I think the, the grapefruit would appeal greatly to me. I also need to grab my notes because Melissa keeps making notes for me about these and I have a really hard time actually reading them because uh, once we're recording, I'm like, I'm focused in. I'm trying to not to mess it up. Do and we have to do a plug for the soda uh, soda water that you're going to get? We probably or? should. Probably should. I'll be right back. <laughs> I mean, a minute and 40 seconds. All right. If you want a freestyle rap while I'm gone, feel free. No, I think I, I, I appreciate your direction. You had to give it a little spiel today, didn't you? I 
What was it? I like the rooster sound in the background anyway. It's, it's been in the last few episodes. Is that the rooster or the hen that's uh, uh, trans? It's our trans that, hen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Lucy. I never remember if it's Lucy or Rosie. Uh, Amelia named her. But, uh, oh, of yeah. course. <laughs> that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've always heard that happens where... I'm not familiar with that, yeah. If you have a flock of hens mm -hmm. and no rooster for long enough, eventually, since they have a pecking order, yeah. the top hen or whatever one with the most testosterone or androgen or whatever the chicken yeah. male hormone is, um, will start to have male traits. Huh. Like she's grown her little mohawk comb. thing, uh -huh. her comb, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's been cock-a-doodle-doing a bit. Half-ass cock-a-doodle-doo, yeah. but... No, that's pretty good. Cock-a-doodle-doo, nonetheless, yeah. is pretty crazy. And we thought she was just a small rooster for like six months. And then she started laying eggs. <laughs> it's like, oh, the rooster's laying eggs now. It's hermaphrodite. Yeah, and we're down to two because uh, the rest have been killed by raccoons. We Brutal. know that one. That's why we don't have any... Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did give, I gave a weed talk to uh, the pesticide commission tour. They come on a bus uh -huh. around the state every every year. They stop here and I thought it was kids. No, I don't know it why was I thought that professionals? Yeah, okay, way less fun. Actually, it was a good, it was a good group this year. It was probably like thirty people or so. Big bus, big beautiful bus. I was most impressed with that. Hmm. Uh, I like a good bus. But anyway, um, I, I'm into vehicles. Like transportation is important. I talked about infrastructure on the last one, though. We won't get into that this time. You were telling me about your childhood. Yeah. I want to eventually get around to Hitchin. Okay. Because I want to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. By the way, that I saw Hitchin long before I knew Melissa oh. or or any of you guys except Eddie. Yeah. I went to go oh, see, Eddie see Eddie. Because Eddie was in it. Yeah. And yeah. um, I thought it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. I, was, I remember thinking, like, thank God there are still people making stuff. Like, there, it's a community theater. Like, it's yeah. it's special. I thought it was really cool. Um, and then years later, I come to find out that you made that. So it was cool. So I do want to talk about that. But yeah, sure. Let's work our way up to it. Okay. Yeah, we're going chronologically, I guess. If you want. Sure. But you can bounce yeah, around. No, we can do that. Like. We'll get there. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up in Birmingham. Went to, uh, you know, high school. Then I uh, got out of high school. And I actually, at that time, uh, one of the reasons I didn't do any, wasn't interested really in music, uh, although I did learn to dance. Um, we got a in camera my teens, we'll to, In my you teens. Well, dance. you know, the knees are not what they used to be. But, you know, like... Uh, you know, uh, with Motown and stuff, it was just so much fun to dance. Good um, beat. Yeah, great beat. And James Brown, of course, you know, and everybody wanted to imitate him. But Were so you that, dancing like James Brown? Well, I was trying to do... You got the feet work like for that? A, trying to do a few moves, you know, Man. where you could, you know, spread your legs and pull them together and spin around and give a... Ow! Yeah. You got to really uh, have some strong abductors for yeah. that. Yeah. You do. I can't do it anymore. But um, uh, so that was my first kind of, you know, introduction to music. 
was just through dancing and singing, you know, singing along with the with the music. Um, but I, I was, you know, I had three other brothers, and uh, the, everybody was into sports. I mean, it was nonstop sports. It was, you included? Oh, yeah. What were your big yeah. ones? Uh, baseball. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah, you do seem like a baseball guy. Yeah, I, 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 I like it. It's a. It's a, uh, you know, it's got a mental component to it. It's got, it's slow, you know. Uh, but I was, again, I, I was pretty small until like into high school. So I, I, I did Otis play football. Like that yeah. too. Uh huh. Because he's not small now. He's a big dude. Yeah, he's, you know, we both got to around six feet, and um, that's all I ever wanted. Just yeah. got to get to that six. Yeah, foot that mark. was that was important, and I think I'm the only one in my family who got there. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> How many brothers do you have? I do have three, and I have two twin sisters. Wow. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot of competition, mm-hmm. you know. My brother eventually passed me, and I've always oh. pretended it didn't bother me. Oh, no. I, I mean, I was like the least athletic, I think. I, but I still had a lot of fun. I'm the least I athletic didn't. and shortest, but I also still have fun, so. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, sorry I keep interrupting you. No, Go ahead. No, that's right. Yeah, my dad, he was like a, um, a wrestler. He was like captain of the University of Michigan wrestling team. So he was really... Athletic. Pretty, pretty yeah, and in that field. And then my older brother was also uh, a, a great wrestler, too. And uh, So, yeah, you know, that athletics really kind of took all my time up. I didn't want to be playing the piano my mom played the piano she and she sang a lot so that maybe had a little peripheral but you know mostly christmas stuff that was like a big thing for her and not so much for me mm-hmm. did do you connect to music emotionally or it, absolutely did you then even when you were more into sports because i remember as a kid i didn't play any instruments or anything like that and at this time we couldn't just get on the internet and stream any song we wanted when a song I liked came on the radio, I sat there and cherished it like it was a fine, like yeah. I was dining at a fine restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. Like I loved it so much. And then later I would record the radio. I would record hours of shitty songs just so I could find, like, I, and then I'd pick the gems out. You and can make say the tapes. S word on here? Oh, you can say whatever you want, Ned. Oh, man. Whatever the F you want. <laughs> <laughs> but See, um, that's different than KMUN. We couldn't do that there. Oh, yeah. That's the internet for you. Yeah. It's a whole brave new world. But anyway, I've always just felt like music is almost like drugs. It's it's as powerful as drugs. Yeah. And um, I think that, that because of that reason, I always thought that, like, People who can create it are, have a, a gift that they get to give themselves and others. It's like such an enriching experience as a consumer or a producer of, of music that, um, yeah, I always just wonder who gets that feeling and, and who yeah. doesn't. Because I don't think everybody experiences it that way. But I think a, a lot of people get a lot out of music, but in, in just in different ways. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, early on when, uh, you know, I started doing the the dance thing, I had a, re- a really good friend who was amazing dancer and you know it was all about catching the eye of the girls and so you know and it's all about the hormones right at that age you know 15 16 17 the hormones are pretty strong and and 
and also you know were the that, Beatles there yet? Oh yeah. Well, this is yeah. Beatles mania, right? What, what are we yeah. talking? Sixties, seventies, eighties? Yeah, where no, are we at? Yeah. So I graduated in '68. Okay. So yeah. I grew up, you know, in the right when they were when they hit '63. They were yeah '63. I think is when they first kind of took the country what here. What a time. Yeah. Oh, so you were summer of love. You were in high school. I was. Wow. Yeah. Where were you at that time? Still around it, Detroit? Yeah. Still still in the, the Birmingham area. Mm-hmm. The summer of love. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to go to San Francisco, but... Oh, I bet that seemed like the coolest thing ever at that yeah. age. Well, I think it motivated me, you know, later on to, to head west. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're lucky you got there later. You might have got dosed by the CIA and used mind control <laughs> as a mind control participant against your will. You never know. That happened, you know. Yeah. Uh, although a lot of other fun things happened there, too. That's true. It might have been worth it. The risk <laughs> might have been worth it. <laughs> yeah. I think probably only a handful of people got CIA treatment, but... A lot of other things happened that were probably quite fun. Are, are we into the conspiracy thing now? Oh, we could be. Um, that's that's that one's become fairly certain that that's not a, a conspiracy uh, theory anymore, but a conspiracy fact. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, the government has done a lot of things to a lot of people. I'd say it's it's on par with like the Tuskegee. Yeah. Stuff. There you go. That that comes to mind. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we could let's let's that's a little bit too far out of the out of the way right now. Let's take come pull it back in. Good um, job. <laughs> that's me hosting right there. <laughs> um okay. Uh where were we? Yeah, so uh you were asking about music and stuff and I oh, yeah. you know, originally it, you know, it's all about sports and then the dancing thing, you know, was, you know, grew Which on Which is like me. a mix of both, because that's athletic and with it, the music. It is, yeah. And, and you know, uh, rhythm can be uh, difficult. Very. For, yeah. Yeah, very. Yeah, but... It, Especially uh, for white people. Well, <laughs> you know, that's I'm just kidding. Fairly, fairly stereotyped. It's but completely yeah. a stereotype. Yeah. I don't agree with it at all, uh, but it is a stereotype. Yeah. 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 People will like that in the internet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's, Anytime you there's, bash white there's people, probably some, you get some, probably some, some likes. Tr- probably some truth in it, but... Uh, who knows? There's people who can't dance of every race. But yeah, I, I am one absolutely. of those white people who can't dance, so I really can't say it's untrue. So it's true for some of us. Well, uh, your daughter can dance. I saw her dance the other night. She sure can. Yeah. I was so She, she was like nonstop. She's, she's free. An hour and a half. Yeah. Just Lucas, too. Yeah, what Lucas. A gentleman. Yeah. God, I was so impressed with him. His, yeah. his parents are doing something right. Yeah. He was with the little kids, just in, impressive. I've never really seen that many boys his age able to like handle little girls like that without mm-hmm. being too rough or, or you know, he, he was. He's, he's a free spirit. He's a good kid. Yeah. yeah really good yeah. kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that show. It was, it was quite fun. So Lucas is. Your nephew. He is my nephew. Yeah. He is. Yeah. yeah. And my grandnephew. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Was... And uh, yeah, he's got his own way of doing things, and it's it's all all beautiful. So let's see. Uh... Okay. So let's, we're right, we got up to the end of high school. Yeah. And then we need to find our way to Hitchin. Okay. So let's see. Uh, I did go to uh, school in Ohio for a year and a half. And um, university, 
Uh, it was a, a small school, uh, Denison University, and uh, like a couple thousand. Uh, it had a had a kind of a, a reputation as being a party school, which I I don't deny. And uh, at that time, you know, the war was raging, Vietnam War. So um, I was there about a year and a half, and then they had the uh, the lottery. And I drew, you know, you wanted to get as high a number as you could. And it was a number assigned to each day of the year. So my birthday it was on May 26, and that, that number was 356. So I was pretty sure that I was not going to get drafted. So how does, how does that work? How does that number correspond to you getting drafted? Yeah, anybody like up to 180 or something was probably going to get drafted. Did they do like a, another, like what did the number mean? Why didn't they just draw birthdays and like, hey, if you're on this birthday, you go? That's a good question. But the, the way it was set up was, that, you know, they just picked, uh, they picked a, a date out of a hat and that got signed number one. I don't know what that was. I'm so glad it wasn't mine. And uh, uh, I was able to, you know, avoid being called up. And, you know, I was protesting at that time. I was very much against the war. I thought it was like the worst move our country had made. And, uh, you know, I felt like we were being lied to. We were being manipulated. And, uh, you know, I... I'm I'm just glad I missed that shit show because that's what it was, and yeah. I you know I know a lot of people who ended up you know going there, and not coming back or very coming, well. Coming back changed yeah. forever. Yeah, just you know, mentally. I mean, there was just what was the justification so much for it said at the time? It 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 was you know it was the. <laughs> capitalism versus communism that's what right? i figured yeah yeah so um and they you know they they staged uh, a false uh flag no uh like a sh ship was supposedly attacked in the gulf of tonkin oh yeah and so that you know that gave us the the reason to uh, you know declare war and it was a bogus. It was totally bogus. So from the beginning, it was bogus. I think that's called a false flag. Okay, we'll call it a false flag. I, I feel like you were you were right there on on that, and I was just trying to finish it. That's for you. that's the vernacular I'm not familiar with. So that's the conspiracy theory research right there. Um, but yeah, that's one that's one of the ones that is very verifiable. That it's like, oh yeah, that was not true. What mm -hmm. happened? What the official report? Um, but yeah, so you were you managed to avoid the draft. And right. so what are you doing? Uh, so I, I was in school and really not, mostly I was getting high mm -hmm. and not really, you know, some of the classes I really liked, but I, I just didn't want to be there. I wanted to be out doing something and I, I'm a hopeless romantic. And so my idea was to hitchhike to the, I'd done a, quite a bit of hitchhiking, um, you know, in school and going to the East Coast, uh, out to Denver and down to New Mexico and back. And um, I, after I, I left school, I, I went back to Detroit and, and lived in 
in the inner city and and did some work as uh, like a substitute janitor or something. Yeah, that's what it was. And then uh, uh, spent some time working for my dad. And then I just decided I got to go. And so like around when I was 21, I, I hitchhiked from Detroit out to the West Coast with this idea of sailing around the world, getting on some kind of a sailboat. And I got to... Well, see, I went to Seattle, and then um, I got uh, from Seattle, I headed south. I didn't have any money, and it was uh, maybe July. Yeah, July, and I was in Newport, and the salmon were running, and I got a job on a fishing boat, and then, like, for the next 10 years, I was fishing. Oh, wow. I bet you met a lot of people doing that. Is that where you kind of built up a social network out here on the coast? Um, mm, I, you know, I do have some, some friends from that era, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, not real strong connections. So how'd you get from Newport to out to out up here in Washington area? Yeah. Well, I, from Newport, I went down to LA and then I fished, uh, outside of LA for six months what were you fishing for all these years? Uh, the, those that was mackerel and anchovies. Oh, the seining, mm-hmm. per seining, and then I went down to San Diego and I got on uh, a bait boat. When you were it, doing per seining, what's the craziest bycatch you ever had? The craziest bycatch would have been a. Um, Let's see, what are they called? They, I think they call them blackfish, but they're uh, kind of a whale. Oh, like a it giant got, dolphin thing? Uh, it was like, you know, 15, 18 feet long. It just got snagged in the net. And uh, wow. and I was a skiff guy, so I, I had to get out and help untangle it. It was pretty interesting. And it, it, it swam away. It was fine. Wow. Did you, Was it caught up? Did you have to cut the net off? We might have had to cut some net. Now you're asking me stuff from 50 years ago, so well, that I'm going to try to be nobody will ever clear. challenge you. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody left to remember if you're right or wrong. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, but the, you know, some one of the in, most interesting things about that fishery uh, that I've never seen another one was, well, it was unionized, and uh, um, so you never fished, and, and you fished at night. Oh, and wow. you had to fish by seeing the bait balls. So it had to be in the dark of the moon. The moon couldn't really be up. So, you know, because of the phosphorescence in the water, if a boat is, you know, we would go out to like Catalina Island. And um, you couldn't fish in Catalina, though we did uh, illegally at times. But, um, you know, you'd be looking for fish and there would be a huge explosion of light from under the water. And then you knew that was a big ball of fish. And you set your net around it. Wait, what? Yeah. Where does the light come from? It's the phosphorescence in the water when the fish move. Because of algae? No. Uh, plankton, maybe? Huh. You know, I, I'd have to research that. But I know uh, there's bioluminescent that's plankton. That's it, the bioluminescence. Yeah. That's amazing. So if you've ever walked on a beach like in Mexico or someplace, uh, 
you'll walk along the beach in the dark of the moon and there'll be that bioluminescence and you can see fish, you know, darting through and, and uh, porpoise at night are unbelievable coming at the boat. And I don't think a lot of people know that that happens. Yeah. The ocean like glows in spots at night. It, it does, especially when the moon isn't up, you know, when the moon's up, then you don't see it as light, much. Because yeah. the light pollution. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Bioluminescence is amazing. I th- would really like to walk around in the forest around here at night because there's bioluminescent fungi. But and I'm and I see them during the day, but I'm not going out there at night. Yeah. That's that's not a wise choice. Um, it's not like a really open area like the ocean is, right? Exactly. You might <laughs> run into something. <laughs> like a tree. Mhm. Cuz you're not wearing your, you know, if you, you want to see it, you got it's got to be dark, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm curious that you could probably set up a camera uh, to film while you're like find the mushrooms ahead of time. I would like to see that. That'd be cool. Have you seen they can put that in a pig? They made glow in the dark pigs. This was long, like 15 years ago they did this. They took the I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, they took but jellyfish. I don't know anything about that. Oh, okay. Jeans and yeah. put them in a pig. Mm-hmm. They grew an ear on a mouse too. Anyway, what were you saying about your about your life? Yeah, we don't need to talk ear mouse stuff. No, that's all right. We can. This is called ramble on the river, right? That's why I called it. We're that. rambling. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I did that for a while, and then I I went down to San Diego, and I got a job on a on a tuna boat, a bait boat. I love San Diego. That's one of the greatest cities in the world. It's so pretty. It's so crowded. <laughs> yeah, it's crowded because everybody knows what's yeah. good. Yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful area. But I didn't really get to spend a lot of time there because I was often down off the coast of Baja or up here fishing for albacore, you know, or down below fishing yellowfin and skipjack and stuff. And Are those fun fisheries? They look like oh. fun. Well, the bait thing is amazing because you carry, first you, you have to catch your bait and you do that uh, with a skiff and a, uh, and a small net they call a lampara net, which is Italian, I believe. So you have to catch it first, and then you load it onto these, you know, big tanks that you're carrying on the on the deck. So the you know anchovies or sardines or whatever can swim around in these uh, enclosed tanks that have circulated seawater running through them, you know, and then. Um, in order to catch, uh, you know, to 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 get into a, a school of tuna, uh, you have a, a guy, somebody with really good eyes and knowledge has to be up in the mast, you know, sort of like the whalers, right? Like up in the crow's nest? Yeah, it's a crow's nest. You're, you know, 30, 40 feet up above the, the deck. And, uh, um, and we frequently worked with Mexicans. We would go down to Mexico and pick up a Mexican crew. And cheaper labor, uh, but really knowledgeable about the ocean. Yeah, those, uh, those guys were amazing and so hardworking. And uh, so, yeah, you got to spot the fish, you know, and that's like seeing, a, you know, some kind of a riffle in the water. You know, uh, they call them a, a, a breezer. A breezer. Mm, just a little flutter? Breeze, you know, breeze. Una brisa, that's a, a little flutter of a wind in in Spanish. And, and I did get to learn some Spanish, which was really great. And mostly uh, uh, words like uh, hijo de la chingada, son of a bitch, or puta madre, or, you know, mm. the, the fisherman lingo was, was very uh, colorful. 
But uh, then, you you know, you had to get, so the fish are moving in a direction and you have to get the boat in front of them. You have to race around and get in front of the fish. And then you, somebody from the boat is scooping these anchovies or whatever you have, could be sardines. Sardines were really great because they are so fast and the fish just go nuts over them. And then, so they're, you're throwing these little, you know, maybe like 50, 50 little fish into the water in front of this school that's moving and they see it and they just start boiling on this bait. And then you lower, you actually have these racks that lower down into the water. So you're at water level, you're standing in the rack and you have your, you're not really secured to anything. Your feet are underneath a a pipe that, uh, that comes up to about knee height and you can put put your knees against it and stick your feet your toes under it so you can kind of lock in yeah and then you have this bamboo pole with a short leader on it and a, a barbless hook and you can basically when those fish are uh biting you can have i mean a good good fisherman and most of these mexican guys were that i never got to be that good but you could have one one fish hitting the deck, one fish over going over your shoulder, flying over your shoulder, and one fish on your hook at the same time. So you you slap the water with the pole, they bite this hook, you pull up, and then you release the, the slack, and you, the momentum of your pulling the pole up keeps the fish going, it spits the hook, and it drops over your shoulder onto the deck. Wow. And you would have, in a really good bite, you would have hundreds of tuna, you know, dying on the deck, just slapping their tails and pretty, am, pretty amazing. They're like machines. Those fish are incredible. Oh, they are so... Like missiles. Yeah, they are so... Sleek. Yeah, their design is unbelievable. Yeah, they can go, you know, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. You get, ever get fresh tuna these days? I I do. I've got an order in for some. I'm hoping to get some tomorrow. Nice. That's one yeah. of the very best meals uh, that uh, the local of the local fare that we have here is oh, fresh albacore. Yeah. People who have only ever eaten canned albacore tuna probably have no idea yeah. what they're missing. It's nothing. Zero. It's like the, not even the same food. Right. So good. Yeah. And I've learned so many, over the years so many different ways of barbecuing now. And, and Oh, uh, you grill it? Oh, That's yeah. my favorite way to oh. have it. Oh, it's yeah. so good. So now I, I do like uh, uh, olive oil and then roll them in sesame seeds. Oh. And then you grill them or you can put them in a fry pan too. You know, they're usually, a loin is usually like a three-sided triangular piece. You do it about two to two and a half minutes aside, And then the center is super rare. And mm. the outside, you know, half inch is, is just beautiful white. That sounds really good. Oh, yeah. I yeah, can't I like wait to get rare. my fresh fish. It's tomorrow, I think. Nice. Yeah. Fishing is a lot of fun. I, I've never done it professionally or uh, really spent that much time doing it, but that kind of fishing sounds like it would be a blast. I, I've only really ever done the kind where you you know drop your line in the water and wait around a lot, reel it in back and forth a bunch of times, but just being able to just da, 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 just hit oh, them would be a, yeah. so much fun. Yeah. It, it, I will say I never really made a lot of money doing that, but I did enjoy it. And we would be at sea 
sometimes up to 50 days. Oh, that sounds like shitty. I, I don't think that sounds fun. Never oh, mind. Change my mind. Oh, no. I I mean, <clears throat> that that was a rare thing. But And often you would, you know, at least to get to come into port or something. But um, especially fishing up here all the way up in, you know, almost all the way to Alaska, you'd, you'd be stopping and making bait or picking up supplies. And But I, I remember I went out on a, one a trip to Mexico and... When I came back, uh, uh, I had no idea what was going on in the world for 50 days. So that was beautiful. Yeah, all you were nice. All you were was a part of the ocean. And you're seeing whales and you're seeing dolphins and you're seeing turtles. And, I mean, you are in a, a special relationship with that environment. And you don't know what the fuck is going on. And That's I came back. Great. I came back and Richard Nixon had resigned. And I, I was like. Wow, that is the most fantastic! Uh, you were at sea surprise. when Nixon yeah, yeah. resigned. <laughs> That's great. I had no clue, and he'd been gone for weeks. Uh-huh. I, by the time I got back, wow. Yeah, was he just hated by most people at that time? I'm always curious about what the actual experience uh, of the culture was at the time. Like, I'm curious of what people will say about how much people hated Donald Trump 50 years from now or something. It's because I always feel like it's got to be different than than. The way people remember, it's always just too simple. Well, you know, it's complex, but the guy, he, he said, I'm no crook, but he was a crook. He seemed to be. Yeah, no, he was a liar and a, and a cheat. And, and uh, you know, he was stubborn about, you know, ma- you know, keeping the Vietnam War going. And we were throwing away lives. He you was know. also a racist. Oh, like he said some bad stuff on those recordings. But do you find it strange that the standards have changed so much? How much Donald Trump got away with compared to Nixon? Donald Trump could have done all of the stuff Nixon did on any random Thursday. No one would have even known. It wouldn't have even made the news cycle because he was doing so many bad things. Yeah. Well, there was there was more of an emphasis on truth in those times. And, you know, people from both parties realized that that. Tricky Dick had, had crossed the line. Yeah. There was also less information sharing going on. It's so easy now to share information. Like the Pentagon Papers was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And right. Like that guy got celebrated. And now, like, what happened to Julian Assange? The He's like the most recent whistleblower, and he is a fugitive from the law. And I don't mm-hmm. even know what eventually happened to him, but... I don't know. Things have just changed so much since that time. I don't think anyone would even care about Watergate anymore. They would, they would, I don't know. There's, there's digital crimes that could be a lot worse that we'll never, never know about. I don't know. Are you, are you, do you get into politics? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. I try, I try not, it keeps me up at night, so. I try not to to focus too much on it, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's amazing to me that you know the Trump is not in jail right now. I mean, I just don't I don't get it. The guy is well, he's from, rich from day one. They that's right. There you go. There you go. He's a rich, and he's got a lot of lawyers, and that's been his shtick. But however, he is a vile, vain, and just vicious human being i mean he has to me no merit as a human being he's funny do you really you think so 
I do. Yeah, I do find him funny sometimes. But uh, he's he's probably it's probably not a redeeming quality. But I do find him funny. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I I would listen to his podcast, but um, I don't want him to be the president of the United States. Like he's an entertainer. No, that, I, that's what he's he, that's what he's good at. He should be in jail entertaining the cons. What do you think he did that was a crimin- crime? Really? I, w- I just want to know. I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, listening to the January 6th committee it pretty much illuminated the fact that, you know, he basically, you know, lied about the, the election and did everything he could to stay in power. He... He thinks he's royalty. Yeah, it seems like, yeah. He yeah. wants to be an oligarch. He does. Yeah, he loves, you know, Putin, right? Yeah, he said that. Yeah, he sure. loves the guy. And, and, and anybody who is an author, uh, you know, authoritarian. And I just think he's a, you know, he's a, a despicable human being. And he has no, you know, he should not be, he should be <laughs> getting therapy or... Uh, he he needs to learn how to navigate the world in a way that's, you know, that's equitable to all people, not, you know, just to him. So it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It's too late it, for him. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think that uh, I, I agree that he's probably a criminal for sure. Just based on his business dealings with people, how many reports there have been of him just stiffing contractors? Oh, just that alone yeah, is enough right. of, a, of a problem. That was something that kind of confused me about how he was able to win so much support from poor people in the in the last election. It's like he's known for not paying like salt of the earth, blue collar workers like he just doesn't pay them sometimes. Right. And he's I don't know. Also, well, the women, he got a lot of female voters after the pussy grabbing comments. So it is his whole thing confuses me. Yeah. And I, I think it must be the fact that people knew him from TV. That's it. He's like Joey from Friends. He's, 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 everybody loves Donald Trump. He's a character on TV. Mm-hmm. And, they, and people have it, had it in their heads like he couldn't be actually dangerous because he's, he's, a, he's a cartoon character, basically. And then he became the, the president. And it could actually happen again. Like, that is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It, that it's, it's something that we should be pretty concerned about is there anyone who's running against him or running like as a republican who stands a chance i haven't been paying that much attention uh i don't really know much about the republican candidates yeah no nobody i would be interested in voting for i'm sure of that because you know he's trump's elevated the the uh the volume so much that you know nobody's can run without being a, a racist or uh you know a, a super christian well those or, uh, that group that you just mentioned the racist super christians have gained some traction recently they have the supreme court decisions are are not good that's it's it's pretty bad but that could have happened um I don't know. It could have happened at any time, but I think that it was no coincidence that that sect of the Republican Party just quietly rose to power while everybody was paying attention to Donald Trump's white nationalist Proud Boys, Mm -hmm. uh, that group of Republicans. They were getting all the press while the religious right was just collecting those tithes and Mm -hmm. just building up power. 
And now they've got a lot of it. They do. It's it's kind of kind of scary. Well, it's kind of a seesaw world, you know. It is. The <laughs> pendulum tends to swing back. We'll hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This presidency right now though feels like it like we're just playing a waiting game. Like it is, feels like it's acknowledged. Like even Biden himself seems kind of like we just we had to just take control. We couldn't let Trump do it again. But uh, I don't know. They it's they seem very resigned. Maybe that's just because I was used to four years of in your face, like internet president. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know he 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 needed to dial it down. Yeah. And, you know he he actually is a pretty honest Joe. Uh, but you know my son says. That, you know, it's all about electing old white guys, you know, and, you know, that has no interest to him or, you know, the younger voters. So it is it is a problem, and I, but I do think he's a decent human being. Yeah. And, and I think he's, you know, he's trying. I think so, too. I think he's trying hard. He's struggling uh, mostly with communication, which I relate to because that shit is hard. Yeah. But um, he's... He's I I like him. He's a likable guy. He was Obama's buddy. Obama was you know America's buddy. It, it's it, Joe, like do you remember during that time the culture kind of embraced Joe Biden as like a golden retriever, like America's <laughs> teddy bear. He was like very lovable and uh, oops. <clears throat> That's okay. We can keep talking. I just got yeah. to plug back in. But yeah, he's I don't know. I I really <clears throat> expected Kamala Harris to be doing a lot more of the public facing interactions just keep spinning them around and flipping okay. them until they feel right that flip that right there we there. go yeah, yeah okay got them back on yeah but yeah we haven't We're... seen much of her at all no <laughs> uh, you don't have to wear them ned there no i like it because i okay. can hear you better um here. i got it figured out now don't worry about it i'll stop sitting on my mic cord oh yeah that will do it <laughs> yeah well i i'm not I'm not clear on, uh, you know, what all's going to happen in the future, and uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I support Kamala, and I'd like to see her, yeah, take over the helm. Uh, one thing I wanted to add. So you mentioned how everybody is tired of electing old white guys, which I get, I do get it, but. You're an old white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be an old white guy very soon. I feel like they're... You got a little ways to go. As much as it is justified, it's still racist. Like, it's yeah. still racist right. because it's deciding what what people get, what people can do. It's distributing power and benefits based on race. That's racist. Mm -hmm. Or it's at the very least, it's racial. And I would really prefer if we just stopped doing that. It'd be, it seems like it'd be a lot easier if we just like value people based on their merit or their contributions to society or their intelligence or their creativity or any of these myriad of things that we could choose other than the color of their skin. Yeah, like right. we've said that it's so, we've said that so much it's cliche, like we're not going to judge people on the color of their skin unless they're white. <laughs> and that seems like it's not fair. I don't, I don't get it. <clears throat> well, you <laughs> We've been struggling with racism for, you know, ever since, you know, for 400 years. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 the complicated. it's the elephant in the room. And we, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do there. Yeah. 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 And I, there does have to be some kind of a 
balancing done because of the fact that there's there is inequity and there's power distributions that have been unfair. So I I do it's complicated. I don't know how to do it. Absolutely, very complicated. But I don't think we should forbid old white guys from political office. That'd be crazy. Well, it's not going to happen anyway. Yeah. They dominate it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I bet you if they just imagine a world where they did that. All the this, the far left gets control, and they say, "All right, starting in 2024, you cannot run for political office if you are white and over the age of 45." That would be an interesting next 10 years. Imagine all the all what that would do to the world. It would change a lot. It would make it like we'll leave it, let it, there be a grandfather clause. If you've already got the job, you can stay there until they until they kick you out. Um, I do think it would actually inspire some minorities to get involved. I think it's probably a kind of a, an, a like um, imposing prospect to, if you're a traditionally marginalized group to think like I want to be a politician. I don't know. Yeah, I really think we need a musical break, though. Yes, we do. Yeah, okay, I think that's great. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to swing my mic. Over. Oh wait. Yeah, you're on guitar. I'm going to swing my mic over there to record you. Uh, I think we can double. pick it both up here, but whatever it'll, you want to do. It'll just keep me from breathing in the mic while we're okay. while you're playing. So, we, you know, we kind of got a <clears throat> sidetrack there, I guess, which we, we're rambling. And, uh, but yeah, we were talking about music, which, you know, I much prefer to talk about music to, to politics. And um, I do. Because music is fun, and in general, people all over the world, you know, love to love to share music. Oh, this chair might. I got. I, no, I let's got see. It. Let me see. Well, I'm, I'm just squeaking my guitar there. I'm trying to. So yeah, I uh, Hitchin. We were going to talk about Hitchin, and here's here's the song I wrote. Uh, the title song to it. I remember the time When my life was much simpler All I needed was a backpack And good shoes for the road Didn't need much money Just a faith in humanity A harp in my hand And love to shoulder my load no comfort there, it's true I would agree With the wind and rain and snow It brought out the worst and the best in me So much I did not know Hiking down YouTube Near the Canadian border My harp I was playing A gentle breeze behind An early June morning 
Summon over the horizon My heart overflowing So glad to be alive No comfort there It's true I would agree With the wind and rain and snow It brought out the worst And the best in me So much I did not know Standing over the coals, warm and minded, gazing up at the ceiling of stars in the sky. A cup of wine in my hand, and a growing inside me, overwhelmed by the beauty, a howl of joy. Do I cry? Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> so how many times did you get to do Hitchin? Yeah, we got to do it uh, four, four different times. And, uh, you know, I, I should... Uh, I'd see, I started, uh, I started writing it in, uh, I think, the winter of 96, and then over the winter of 97. At that time, I was, um, let's see, what was, yeah, I was doing carpentry work, uh, and the winters were always a slow kind of time, so I started doing that. And it was also uh, around the time my son was getting ready to go off to college, so... It was a very, a very much, and I was doing therapy at that time, and part of, part of it was um, because I was um, feeling the loss that was about to happen, and it was also a piece about me and my dad, and um, so yeah, it was a, it was a piece of therapy. It was really a, kind of a blessing. Did it help you to work through stuff? Yeah. Yeah, big time. I mean, I'm a very strong believer in 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 therapy and 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 working working with others. And uh, Caitlin Stecker is a therapist in Astoria who really has helped me through some oh really tough times. Yeah, a good therapist is pretty hard to beat. Yeah. No, and, and just opens you up to new ideas and new ways of thinking. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, I got to work through and my, my you know, dad had died. At, actually, he's, and when he was 73, I'm 73 now. So this is kind of a, kind of an interesting year for me. Yeah, and, I bet. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so I got to kind of do a piece of therapy with him, even though he was gone. Um, and I don't remember it from the play. Is there a piece in there about a father son relationship? Yeah, that's all. It's what it's all about. Yeah. It's about the father letting go. 
Mm-hmm. And remembering the time when he hit the road. Okay. Against his father's objections, you know. And he's coming back around and remembering what that was like because he's kind of a solid businessman now, you know. So, Which would have been I, my path I if, I, if yeah. I had stayed on, you know, well, my dad took over from his dad. But uh, my, <laughs> you would have got into fashion just like I, them, huh? I, I, it's it's not inconceivable to me now. But uh, my mother and my my dad worked like seven days a week. You know, small business thing. Yeah. And uh, my mother, I mean, basically, <laughs> she wasn't happy about it at all because he wasn't around, and they, he was kind of an absent guy in ways he was a lovely guy just did you at least get to have affluence because of him being no, gone no, all the time no that's the no. double whammy if you're still struggling and you're still you know we all were time. we were we were okay we were you know middle middle class but mm-hmm. no we were not because six kids eats that's up a lot of kids yeah eats yeah. up a lot of stuff but, but he's just trying to keep up yeah running on the treadmill of life yeah and, and my my mother said, I don't care what you do, just don't don't go work at the store. Did you ever work there? Every every Christmas, sometimes in the summer, yeah. Every Christmas. Yeah. All the brothers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even my sisters the busy you know, helped season. out. Yeah. That was that was the the big time, you know. The big the big sell time, you know, Christmas. Selling ties and and uh you know shirts and stuff like that. So and I, I really wasn't a fashionista, no. Yeah. Do you like to sell? Are you a salesman? Some people just got it. I I, I think I can, you know, I, I probably did pick up some stuff from there. I'm not a, I, I like to sell CDs. It's so something that you actually yeah. think is good. Yeah. Like, but you're not a car salesman, used car right. salesman type. Yeah. That's kind of actually how I am too. Yeah. I, I like to st- I like to sh- provide value to people. So if I got something good, I'd like to sell it, but no, I'm not going to try to sell somebody something just because I want to get rid of it. Yeah. I, I couldn't be a salesman as a profession. Yeah. That just didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate a good salesman. So me too. A knowledgeable person. Yeah. I, it's I'm not nice. knocking the sales profession. It's just, uh, it, it has a lot of um, kind of, um, what's the word I want? Uh, memories you know of, of dad not being around because he was always stuck at the store kind of thing and yeah. not getting and then competing with all the other children for the attention that you know he, he just wasn't a very present guy and yeah. uh that's but, how i feel about smoking crack yeah <laughs> i haven't tried that so me either actually um well <clears throat> i have a couple more things i'd like to get to sure <clears throat> I want to talk. I want to hear you talk more about being a dad, because your kids turned out great, and you haven't talked much about them yet. You mentioned Otis, but you've got another one, and yeah, I, mm-hmm. I would like to hear some about that. Maybe some of the differences between having a boy and a girl and fatherhood there. Can yeah, we, can we talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I feel we were blessed to have, you know, a balance in the family with one of each, and you know, neither my wife. Lulu or I really wanted more than two. We, you know, we don't, we don't feel like populating the world is helping over populating. So uh, two was just right for us. You know, I mean, I, it seems like a good number. That's always what I wanted. 
Yeah. One boy, one girl. That was always my goal. Yeah. That's why I married Melissa. You got that, and you you got the blessing of another one, and and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, but yeah, two two was just right for us, and you know we we wanted to live simply, you know. So I built our house, and it's a small but comfortable kind of space, and we were able to raise them and. Uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about my wife. She's like the most nurturing person I know. She does have a very nurturing energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First time I ever met you guys, I think, was in Fred Meyer. Uh-huh. It was like right when me and Melissa had started dating. And Lulu gave me a hug. And yeah. I could feel right away. I was like, oh, she's got like a mom energy, like crazy. Like, I want her to come over and visit me when I'm sick. Yeah. She's got yeah. a strong mom energy. Yeah, very patient, very loving you know, and a kindergarten teacher for 20 years, that takes a lot of patience. And that's probably what I was picking up on. Yeah. yeah. I married one. It's you an did. energy I like. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great energy. Yeah. Because, you know, kids are very, very creative at that age. And, and she's and lo- intuitive. Like they pick yeah. up on those kind of people. They're like, oh, she's good. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll listen to her. So, yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we got married after, uh, well, about three months into our first pregnancy with Otis, uh, her father uh, and mother came up and they wanted to see her daughter, their daughter married. I I was fine with, you know, whenever. I mean, I was happy to get married, but uh, um, that was a very important thing to, to her dad, especially. And uh, yeah, very simple ceremony. Um, very loving ceremony. Uh, she promised me uh, a, a lemon meringue pie once a month. Did that, she hold up on that? End of the she deal? did for a while, and then you know it's like, well, that's too much, hon. You that's know, that's a lot of pie. Yeah, it is pie. <laughs> but <laughs> twelve pies a year. Yeah, that, that's it was good for a while, but yeah, no, I was I was glad that uh, you know we're down to a couple of those. Uh, a she year still now. bakes occasionally the pies. She does. I mean, she seems yeah. like she would bake quite She's, well. Oh yeah, her her grandmother was a famous baker, so oh. she really wanted to honor her, and I I have benefited greatly from that over the years. So, I love a baked goods. So oh, that's like we could talk, yeah. finish the whole rest of the forty five <laughs> minutes talking about pastries. <laughs> so yeah, we had uh, Otis, and then it took us a while to. Before, I mean, she was always kind of advocating for a second child, and I was a little, you know, hey, this is pretty great. You know, we can live in this small space. And You're kind of a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of guy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, finally, uh, I was thinking, you know, I had uh, some siblings, and I'm really r- close to all my siblings, and I thought, yeah, you know, he should have a sibling, too. So, um, uh, we, yeah, we had a daughter like four and a half years later, she uh, she was, she was a, quite a character. She's a very fun uh, person. And um, what was their relationship like growing up? Did they fight, or were they? Because that's yeah, four it, years is a gap that could go either way. Yeah, it's almost it's almost five years. So yeah, there there was constant constant stuff going on, but not horrible as if they were two years apart. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. We got that going. But it, I don't know. Sawyer's coming back from Alaska soon, so yeah. I'm excited. Right now, I can't even hardly picture them fighting. 
<laughs> they like, won't. They'll probably be a grace period there. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. They although he lot. might be kind of a big man now, you know. I really expected that last year. Like yeah. he's going to come home and be too cool for me. Yeah, um, and he wasn't at all. Oh, uh, that's he, good. He was really like smiley and fun like happy yeah, he like great. let us see that he was happy to be home oh, which he's great. usually very reserved and like doesn't want to let us see him have emotions yeah but it was good i'm excited i can't wait for him to get home but um yeah anyway um what kind of differences did you notice between otis and eliza uh, in what they needed from you as a dad yeah i think you know that uh, there was uh probably a stronger bond between um Otis and myself, and then Eliza and Lulu, just the feminine and the masculine thing happening. But um, uh, once, you know, Otis left, got out of the house, she became kind of the, you know, the focus. We did a lot of great stuff together, and she's really adventurous. I Does love that. Does she ever go cross-country skiing with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she's, she's, uh, very into sports. Yeah, they're, they're both very um, into fitness. They run and they bike and they, they I ski. I see Otis at the bridge run usually. Yeah. He's yeah. fast. Well, your daughter whooped him this year, so. Well, she's really fast. <laughs> he <laughs> she's was, not your standard 11-year-old. Yeah. yeah. He, he just likes to keep in shape, yeah. you know. And, uh, and, that's, and that's great because my wife and I are, are very much into it. You know, we do... Now that we're retired, we've been retired like 11 years now, which is pretty amazing. You guys are doing it right. You travel, you yeah, have fun. Yeah, we are. And But we start every day. We do, we have, we feel like it's our job to stay healthy. So we do yoga for like 50, 60 minutes every day. Every morning we get up and do that. And then we're going to walk or bike or something an hour, you know, and uh, we have a dog, so we got to do a lot of walking, so. Yeah, you owe it to them, and they yeah. they like it. Well, they motivate us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was noticing that. I'm sitting here staring at your face for two hours. Like, your wrinkle level is about equal to mine. I, I don't <laughs> think so. I am out in the sun so much, and I, I do a lot of this, raising my eyebrows, because mm. I'm always so surprised, you know. I like to stay surprised. So oh, that's a good way a to A lot be. of this, yeah. yeah. You know, I put myself in novel situations, so I'm always like, oh, and uh, so my, I got forehead wrinkles, and you really don't have very very many. So I was feeling a little bit jealous. What's your skincare routine? Uh, there isn't one. No skincare routine, huh? No. Mm-mm. Wow. No, uh, none of that retinol A, huh? I I, I do put on sunblock if oh. I'm outside. What yeah. kind do you use? Whatever's available. Even the kind with bad chemicals in it. Probably. Yeah, I'm not sure what that kind is, but yeah, we we try to use you know. Good stuff. Yeah. You uh, like granola? My wife makes the most amazing granola. You beat me to my next question. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, that was a complete guess. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No. We just had some today uh, with uh, some cousins who had come by for a, mm. for a little visit. and uh, they, they put pumpkin they, seeds in it? You put pumpkin yes. seeds in it? Oh, yeah. That just popped into my head. Yeah. I think it might well, be telepathic. Let's see... Pumpkin seeds, filberts, almonds, Ooh, that's a fancy nut. walnuts, pecans. Um, do you do Brazil nuts ever? No. I don't like they're, them. Well, they're too big. I love Brazil nuts. They got a weird taste. Oh, they're delicious, I think. 
Yeah. yeah. Also, the racist name from my childhood made me like, I'm not eating that. Yeah. You, you don't need to go there. I won't. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. won't. I mean, to, to eat a Brazil nut, you don't need to go there. You can just appreciate its delicate flavor. That's just where the negative association started. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they're my least favorite nut. A little too oily, I think. Uh, my favorite they is are the uh, hazelnut. Yeah. Those are good. Delicious. They don't call them hazelnuts anymore, though. Filbert? Yeah. Oh, you said that, and I was like, is yeah. that... Okay, my bad. Yeah. We'll cut all this out. I mean, I think it's still acceptable. It's okay, but... Why know, not Gilbert hazelnut is, anymore? I don't know. I think is maybe that... it's a marketing thing. I don't know. Okay. Hazelnut sounds better than Filbert to me. I, I always like that, yeah, but I'm not... I, I couldn't tell you that, but really... I bet I know. If you go, like, to the co-op, mm-hmm. you're going to buy Filberts. But if you go get a coffee, it's going to be hazelnut it's flavored. Not... It's not going to be Filbert. That's coffee. not even coffee. What is it? It's like some it's like some kind of drink with chemicals in it. What? I've, I've been trying to get coffee. <laughs> you ever had green coffee or white coffee? It's like not roasted as much. It has way more caffeine. Kind of tastes like... Oh, a, yeah. Um, See, like, that wouldn't be good for me because I have sleep issues. So Me too. I drink coffee once a week. Like wow. Sunday. That's my celebratory day, yeah. Other than that, I like to do... I, I do drink black tea every morning. Oh, that's like a good amount of caffeine. Uh, it's half of coffee. Yeah, so yeah. it's. I think a lot of people are overdosing on caffeine without even realizing it. I mean, I'm so sweaty right now, and it's not that hot in here. It's warm in here, Jeff. <clears throat> yeah, but um, I, I. It was a warm day. It was a warm and day. And heat rises, and it's you know it's caught in this up here room. We are insulated with foam. Yeah. Also, we're like we're in a styrofoam cup. I want to hear about cross country skiing a little bit. How'd you get into that? Yeah, let's see. Uh, I, you know, I didn't grow up doing that. Of course, I grew up in Michigan, and I did learn to do downhill skiing. But really, hill is the correct word. And very shallow. You know, not very. <laughs> we is there mountains in Michigan? Uh, you know, up north in the the northern peninsula, and up up along uh, the top of Lake Michigan there. Maybe a thousand feet, fifteen hundred feet. Okay. But where I grew up, it's pretty flat. A lot of lakes. But it gets but cold, right? It gets cold, yeah. And so, yeah, there were hills you could ski at, but they called them mountains. You know, they were. They, <laughs> yeah. And they were probably man-made, oh. so they could be taller. Okay. Yeah. So I learned how to, you know, downhill ski. I'd never heard of cross-country skiing then. And then uh, when we came out here, we. Uh, Started going up to Mount Hood in in the winter, and we did we did do some downhilling, but uh, we started cross country, and I I just really loved the idea of sweating and then gliding down the hill, and not paying exorbitant lift ticket prices. Yeah, that's nice. And renting gear is very expensive, so I I invested in a pair of skis that lasted to me thirty years. I I've got another wow. pair that have lasted me you know almost ten now but you know 200 bucks and you and we go to a place you you actually ski into and then you you just walk out the door put your skis on and go ski around trillium lake you know it's that sounds awesome oh it's fantastic i have always heard that's such a great workout i remember when i was rowing people saying like yeah rowing is the second most exhausting sport you can do behind cross-country skiing yeah and I remember thinking at that time, note to self, don't ever do that because rowing was miserable. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't look, because you get, 
like can you you can glide yeah you get times a, to glide yeah it, it, it depends on you know i'm not sure where that that fact toyed came from but uh i know that the ski ergs that you can do like it's like a erg standing up and you do it like you pull the things down is pretty pretty exhausting it's just like there's a full body workout it seems like to slide slide well, yourself gonna, around it depends on how steep how steep you ski right yeah you know if you're going up a steep hill it's going to be a hell of a workout and it you know i've done that but you, you know you've had any really bad crashes i yeah yeah, nothing broken or anything, but um, mostly you learn to sit. If you get out of control, just sit, and then you're gonna, you know, you're gonna slide for a while, and you might cross your skis. But you know, now we just we pick, you know, fairly moderate hills to ski down, uh, and mostly flat because that's where you can glide. Yeah, you just get this rhythm going. It's like dancing. You got this rhythm going, even though you say you can't dance. The glide is is uh, just. I could I could ski. I think. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, not, not alpine, not downhill. I've tried that; it didn't work out. But if I could row, I could I could probably slide. You know, it's it's basically walking. You know, oh, I can do a that. lot of it. I'll do that all day. Yeah, and then it's gliding a little bit when you go downhill. But mostly you're walking uphill, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a flat area, you can get a glide going, and it's very rhythmic. It's just and you're you're like in the moment the total time and 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 you know you're in a beautiful place you know you're looking at trees frosted you know heavily frosted with snow mount you know mountains maybe or snow coming down and it's you just get into it it's so cool to be in a place very mindful yeah i bet it's cool to be in a spot where you Look know at all that, these mountains behind you in the well, that's why i put them there yeah. I wanted to feel like that every time we're out here. Yeah. But I like being places where you can't drive. Like and yeah. being far from roads and, and being like, wow, this it's it's novel because you don't really get to do that very often in this day and age. Most I mean, I bet you a lot of people listening to this can't remember the last time they were five miles from a road. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen that often. You drive everywhere. But it's it's fun. I like it. Well you just gotta get out and hike and Yeah. Yeah. Get out on your Go, feet. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's another passion of you know of ours is to hike. So, you ever hitchhike anymore? No, I haven't Just for done the, that. In the a thrill long, of it. Haven't done that in a long time. I used to pick up hitchhikers uh, all the time, but uh, haven't. My mother, in, in her eighties, was picking up hitchhikers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't want my mom picking up hitchhikers. Yeah. <laughs> but I I do pick them up sometimes. I like it. Good for you. Yeah. No, I if I'm alone and uh I'll do that, but um there are people you can truly be yourself around. You can be as weird as you want. You uh, like you don't have there's no there's no uh what am I niceties with a hitchhiker. Like I'll tell them flat out, "Hey," or I'll ask them flat out, "You're not going to try to kill me or do anything steal my stuff, right?" And if they say, "No, I promise I won't." Nah, let them in. That's great. That's great. I've had to get out of some cars. Really? In my youth. Oh, yeah. Could cre- yeah. get picked up by creeps? Well, you know, let's see. Uh, one time I was coming back in Michigan. It was snowing. The The roads were not that good. And, and, and there were some young guys in the car. And they were going like 80, 90 miles an hour. I just said, hey, this is like 
not what I want to be doing, so please let me out. Or I, I've gotten in the car with drunks and, you know. Yeah. Had to say, no, you know, uh, please let me out. Thanks for the, thanks, but no thanks. Do you ever get picked up by somebody who just gave you the creeps? Like, oh, this guy's going to murder me. No, you know, uh, generally people were really, really kind. And uh, yeah, I had some nice exchanges That's good. with folks. I had very few bad experiences. And yeah. there were nothing, you know, that were, that I felt was, um, that they were personally trying to to hurt me. You know, mostly they were just either out of control or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people picking up hitchhikers are bored. They just want yeah. some, some company. Yeah, the they want company. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so you get to do some nice exchanges. And gosh, I mean, I've, I've done this too. I mean, but people have taken me home, put me up for the night. And I've, I've done that with people I've picked up and stuff. And yeah, I think it's great. It is great. And it's, I mean, it's, you can't really do it all the time, especially once you have kids. No. Yeah, I used to pick up right. hitchhikers all the time. And then I had started having kids in the car and... They whine so much when they have to sit by bums. It's crazy. Yeah. So I just don't well, do it my, anymore. My mother, when we were kids, she used to pick up hitchhikers when she had five kids in the car. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was just kidding. She, but she, she actually did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And because she did it because uh, she had an older brother who, um, when he, during World War II, had to do a lot of hitchhiking. I, you know, when he was on leave or something, and and she was, it was just her way of thanking people for picking him up and giving him a ride. That's cool. Yeah, it, it was great. She had no fear. I want to live in people. a world where people can catch a ride from a stranger. Yeah. That's that's a nice thought. Yeah, it's great to, you know, share a space, and, you know, we don't have to all drive in our vehicle. <laughs> Waste gas. <clears throat> I saw a crazy thing yesterday. It was called The Line. And it's in Saudi Arabia. They're building a city that is basically like a, one big skyscraper that's miles long. So, so it's like, it looks like a giant wall. It's like the high-tech version of the Great Wall of China. Yeah, okay. Have you seen this? Absolutely not. Oh, you should check it out. It is almost scary. It looks like a dystopian novel, uh, yeah. like a sci-fi novel. But uh-huh. they're building this city vertically with mirrored sides out in the desert so mm-hmm. it's like it cuts across the whole country and instead they're taking basically like a city the size of new york or los angeles and stacking it vertically and they're i, I can't even imagine it it's had you ever seen the movie the fifth the fifth element i have not have you seen any movie where they have like a vertically integrated city in a futuristic dystopian way I have not check them out that's where you would see these type of things. Okay. They're building one in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, it is fascinating. I don't know. I don't remember how we started talking about that, but. So what's the advantage? Um, smaller footprint. So okay. you're, that, you're. That's good. You're compacting all of the human, you know, all of the filth and the mm-hmm. damage to the environment, all the stuff that we do, just smashing it together in, a, in an area that's much, much smaller. So you're leaving a lot more land untouched, which it looked to me to be desert out there so mm-hmm. i don't know well saudi arabia is yeah pretty much like pretty, that pretty desert how much green there no a lot of green there but not a lot of plants yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of green there we don't even know how much that's that's where they say all the richest people in the world really are sorry elon musk but yeah 
technology stuff, I, I think it's really fascinating. There's, it's changing fast. It's faster than we can keep up with. Right. It actually is probably good because we're also damaging the planet faster than we can mitigate it with technology. So it's like a game of catch up all the time. What's next? Let's see. Oh, dispersed camping. So have you done some yeah. off-grid camping? Yes, yeah. What's a, that like? A fair amount. Uh, liberating, yeah. Yeah. You Where'd know, you go? Oh, you know, also for years, actually since 77, well, there were some years I wasn't doing it, but we've done river rafting, which is basically... You know, the same kind of thing. You're just going down the river and you're making camp on some beach or some point of land or something. And so you have to have all that gear because you have to pack it in and pack it out. So we've got, we've had that for years and we just, you know, tra transformed it use, to using it in, in dispersed camping where you, you know, you go out. Like we were in Utah a couple of years ago and we were really close to some of the national parks there. Um, but uh, there's a, just enormous amounts of land out there. And the national parks are crawling with people. This was at the start of the pandemic when everybody was, you know, trying to get out. So um, we started doing uh, the, the dispersed camping with some friends who had done a fair amount of it. They're also river rafting buddies. And... Uh, yeah, you can. There's just all kinds of BLM land. You can you can drive out on a you know not a very well known road, dirt road, and then there are places where uh, there are you know open areas where you can just set up camp and stay there. You That's know? cool. Yeah, and then so you just have to bring some kind of a you know you have to bring your own water, um, and then you have to have some. We we don't have a and we have a like a pop-up pop camper, you know, small, doesn't have a toilet. Uh, just, you know, it's got water for a sink and stuff like that. So we have to have um, a toilet system, which is, you know, now used, used to be, we used to, you know, defecate into a, uh, a, a bit large rocket box, you know, military rocket boxes, which is like, uh, you know, 22 inches long, 8 inches wide, 14 16 inches high that's very specific yeah and then uh it's something like that but now they have these wag bag systems with chemicals in them so you can you can basically sit on a a, a toilet you know which is a like a on a, on a i know what a toilet is line of, well but not this kind of toilet you know it's it folds out it has three legs that fold out and you put a bag uh underneath chemical you know, toilet no no, it's just a bag with some dried chemicals in it. and then Sounds like a chemical toilet. What's a chemical toilet? Well, I think that's one, you know, like a porta potty kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, this okay. is not, yeah, it's just very, you know, it's got like a tablespoon of granules in it. Is it like some uh, bacteria like a, or some kind of a digestive enzymes? That's a good question. I bet it's some enzymes. Okay, let's, let's go with that. I'm not sure what it is, but it is legal to... Use that and toss it in your garbage. That's awesome. So, and you, you can bag it up into a very, you know, it's like a, a bag in a bag, you know, it's like a little garbage bag and then you stuff it into a sealable bag 
and you can get you know like uh, four dumps in there, no problem. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, it no, it's great. It and so you go in the same bag a few times. Yeah, right. You pee in there too. You try not to. Seems like that get a little sloshy. You try not to to pee, and so sometimes you, pee you know you can't help it, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, just a little bit, but you uh, pee first. Gotcha. You know, it, it takes some training, but we've some been river rafting control. for since the '70s, so that's what you had to do there too. You had to, you would pee into a bucket, and then you would sit on what they call the the uh, the groover and uh it was a toilet seat on this you know rocket box military rocket box thing and then you had to you know carry that out and then you had to go to a a place that would clean it out wow a, a machine you wouldn't just whip it out and pee right over the side no you can't do that in well, a, some in a desert do. in a desert environment. Oh, because, I'm, I'm thinking on the raft. I was thinking. On oh the yeah, raft. you know most rivers, especially desert rivers, you, you want to pee in the water. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can pee right in the raft because a lot of these rafts uh, are uh, self bailing. So you don't want to be the right guy out. pissing in the raft. Oh no, it's okay because you know it just goes okay in and goes me. right out. <laughs> I would not. But then, but still, there's other people in this raft, right? You got it's all right. splashing you, in their flip flops. No, a little it, bit though. Not really, because you know it, there's water in there all the time. Yes, yeah, so they then, don't know any better. Yeah, and so you you're you're tell pretty them. much alone in 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 your space that you're doing up in the bow. Or, I gotcha. Yeah, so and, it's a secret pee. But everybody has to, you know. The good thing about this thing is you all get used to everybody doing their bodily functions without being embarrassed. You know, you get to know each other well when yeah, you're camping. You do. When we were rowing, if anyone had to pee in the boat, which you're usually not sitting in there for more than a couple hours, so most people just hold it. I've never seen someone try to take. You're a talking number skulls two. and like a cruise shell, yeah. yeah so like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm picturing the like the coxed eight, which would be like eight rowers yeah, and one okay. coxswain. Those things are not balanced. Like the oars and the riggers and the the men in the boat or women in the boat are what balance the boat. There's no keel or anything. So if, if there's people not in the boat, the boat just falls over, just flops over. Yeah. So if, if there's any kind of unbalance at all, it's really tricky. So to pee, you had to like have someone on the other side of the boat lean out. Yeah, sure. And so you can lean out and yeah. pee. It's, it was very, I mean, you're right next to a lot of people. It's It's no fun, but- like you said, you just get used to it. It's like right. we're we're the engine of this boat. We're all just in it together. It's like mm-hmm. you just get used to it. But um, yeah, something about doing something hard with a group of people, that kind of stuff just stops bothering you. Yeah. Yeah, you normalize it. Yeah. Because there's no, nothing else you can do. Yeah, there's no other <laughs> options. It's either that or just be miserable the whole time. That's right. <laughs> For no reason, because we're all doing it. But... Yeah. So, how do you get? You just take water from streams and stuff and purify the water. Do you bring water purification oh, systems when you're you know, doing the dispersed camping? It, dispersed camping? No, we just take you know six gallon jugs, and then you know usually you're not too far from a place where you can get water. I mean, you might be, you maybe need to go get ice or food or something, you know, in, in town twenty miles away, and you just take your jugs. That's cool. Have you ever used those life straws or any of those purification systems that they have now? Yeah, you know, uh, when we were uh, packing, a uh, llama pack, and we used to llama pack up in the Cascades, we would take, you know, a water filtration system. What's llama packing? Yeah, that's uh, where 
you get to wear a day pack and the llama packs everything else. Oh, so you actually brought a llama with you. That sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, that we had fun. a couple llamas for about 13 or 14 years. Oh, they were your llamas? Yeah. Oh, wow. So maybe, oh, so is llama camping a thing or is that just what you just called it because you were doing it and you had llamas? It's, or is that like something other thing. people do? Yeah, it's Can a thing. Can you like hashtag llama camping? Yeah, and there's you know there are a lot of outfitters oh, that you okay. can go. Like yeah. I know you could go on donkey hikes, right? Yeah, llamas are the same, but you know they're much less invasive because they have the padded, you know, camel camelid type of foot, so they don't tear up the area, and they're they're pretty cool animals. They really are. Yeah, and uh, you know they're kind of bred to do that. I mean, we had one that was pretty reluctant, and he was way overweight, and he had foot problems, so. He could be he 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 could be a spitter at time, but you knew when he was going to spit, so you just you know you had to know. How do you tell? You, you just get you know this look, and if you were putting something on him that he didn't like, you know, then you had to you know just be careful. It, we never really got spit, you know. He never spit in my face or anything. But we had another one that was an amazing packer, and we had to lo- load him down the, and he was much lighter of frame. But you had to just pile it on. Otherwise, you'd be running to keep up with them. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And they like doing it, huh? Yeah, that's what they were bred to do. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then, and they're so easy because you don't have to bring food. They just graze. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That sounds fun. Oh, it was, it was lovely. And so how far would you go? Well, you know, we, mostly we would go up. Uh, into the Goat Rocks Wilderness. Do you know where that is? Kind of. Yeah. So not far from Packwood, sort of. So you have a view up in the Goat Rocks. It's a, it's an ancient caldera too, and uh, you have a view of Saint Helens, Mount Adams, and Rainier. So it's right in between there. But you can see all these peaks. It's a pretty amazing place, and it's the the meadows it's all wildflowers up there in the meadow oh, wow they're they're famous you know they're like it's like right on the pacific coast trail yeah so it's like the best wildflowers on the pacific coast trail wow and so we would go up there you know, hike in you know maybe five five hours make a base camp and then really we did we just let the llamas uh kind of you know, we staked them out and let them graze, and we would do day hikes. But we did do like a four or five day trip where we went with the llamas further south, and yeah, it was it. it you get, you know, working with animals is you develop a kind of a very interesting relationship, and it's it's yeah, it's it was great. They could carry, you know, eighty pounds on their backs. Wow! And you didn't have to carry, but I used to carry my my guitar. All I would take was my my little guitar, which was weighs like five pounds. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a blast. It, oh yeah, no, we we loved it, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's tons of. Uh, what do you eat on those trips? Goats. Oh, you could eat well when you can pack eighty. Yeah. Pounds. Yeah. So you'd bring? Would you bring wet food or? Just, oh yeah. Okay, so you're yeah. bringing full. But we would bring some backpacker stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'd even bring wine, box mm-hmm. wine, you know. That travels fairly well. It, it, yeah, <laughs> when the llama's packing it, it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we are out of time, because uh, we only got about 15 minutes left. 
But I know you've had some experience. We have with... to do one more song, though. Yes, I was thinking we could finish with the song. That that'd be fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I would like to hear a little bit about your experience working with foreign exchange students, and also, did you ever homeschool your kids, or or were no. they in public school forever? Well, my wife was, you know, a kindergarten teacher, and uh, yeah, they went to Napa. Okay. Yeah. No, we didn't. Yeah. No. You know. In those days, you mostly pulled your kids out of school because you were a Christian and you didn't believe they were teaching Christian values, you know. Well, they weren't. <laughs> They're not supposed to. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, That's an argument I can't. Uh, I, yeah. I, sorry. No, no. Anyway, so we were, you know, we, we had no problem with the um, what the kids were being taught. And actually, schools were a lot better when they were kids. There was a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And a lot more programs, a lot of music, um, and uh, they, they were pretty well funded. And uh, so, and then I worked in the schools as a teaching assistant uh, the last ten years of my working life because I had to replace a, a hip at fifty-one. Oh man! And so, and you I, still I have it? Yeah, man. That same one. Knock on wood. It's wow, like what 20, a great product. Twenty-one be the 22nd year that's pretty good yeah how long do those things last i don't know that's cool what's it made of titanium oh those are the good ones yeah actually you know what wears out is the socket because it's like a, a, a some kind of a plastic thing oh yeah just like the real hips right isn't that the part that's that it. wears out the yeah. what is that the, i don't know the hip i'm no i'm no hip scientist but. well it's bone grinding on bone, so you're wearing out the ball and the socket. The cartilage in there. There's no cartilage. It's that's, just bone on bone in there? That's why you replace your hip. Okay. That's, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So the femoral head rubs right on the inside well, of the Well, that's when your cartilage is gone because you had arthritis. Oh, okay. See? So that's not the natural design. Your Bingo. hip had no cartilage. That's correct. That yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. That makes okay, more sense. Okay, yeah. No, they, there was a nice cushion in there, but... You know, uh, arthritis ate it up and... Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But Just I'm, the one side? Yeah. Do we have company? I think we have company. Amelia? <laughs> you, you can come up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll get you. Okay, we need a pause for Amelia here, yeah. She can enjoy the song, too. Okay. So we're bringing up my grandniece, Amelia, now, who uh, danced for an hour and a half when we played a concert at uh, Cape Disappointment State Park the other day and uh, was an inspiration to... I mean, she made the music sound so much better. We were having so much fun watching her. Okay, Amelia, say hi. Hi. (laughs) Well said, Amelia. All right. You so, know, we have a song we do about, it's called Amelia. It's about Amelia Earhart, who was an aviator. She was one of the first women to fly planes. Have we ever talked about her? No. She was yeah. one of the inspirations for your name. Ah, that's cool. I'll, we'll have to sing that song for you. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. And old, it's an old song, like from the 40s, 1940s or something. Wow. Yeah, I always like that name because of Amelia mm-hmm. Earhart. And also that book, my, uh, Our Only May Amelia. Have you ever read that? Amelia Bedia? 
Amelia Bedelia, too. Some other classic <laughs> literature. I loved Amelia Bedelia. I, I did, too. I uh, can't even say her name right, but... There's there's a few different uh, iterations yeah. of, that, of that same character. Like, one of them, she's a maid, and another one, she's like a little kid. Uh, but they're they're all good. Yeah. Where are you going? You, can, you, you won't be able to be heard on the mic, though. Do if you, want, you sit right do you want there, to be heard? you will. You also you got to talk with here. Just sit with me. Is it because I'm I'm sweaty? Yeah. Oh yeah. Too bad. Um, this is the deal. You got to stay on my lap if you're gonna stay. Otherwise, you can't hear me. I mean, I can't hear you because when you were on the podcast last time, I I couldn't really use much of what you said because you wouldn't talk in the. Yeah, mic. we we would like to hear what you say. Yeah. We value your opinion. Do you have anything to talk about while you're here? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Puppy. Puppy being so cute right now. She just laying on the deck. Talking to the mic. What is? What did you say? I said Poppy's being so cute right now because she's laying on the deck. What is Poppy? My dog. Oh. Do you have any questions for Uncle Ned? No, not right now. That's all right. They will. Okay. I'll, I'll answer the best I can when you, when you find the question. Uh, Poppy, Dad. Uh, she looks okay, I guess. So cute. What is that for? Your mom made me a notes sheet, and I'm making sure I got everything on here. Um, the only thing we didn't cover that's on the list is, um, is conservation slash stewardship a big part of your life? I think so. Yeah. A warrior for nature? Very much. That's a really yeah. a really important part of living in this area. Yeah. How are you involved with that kind of stuff? Well, I have been involved. Uh, years ago, I was in a group called Organized Citizens for Environmental Action Now called Ocean. Oh, wow. And I was like, uh, yeah, on the board there. And for, I don't know, four or five years, and we... We were trying to get the state to stop spraying pesticides, and we were fairly successful. I mean, they still are using them, but not using them, actually, herbicides. Oregon State? The State Department of Forestry, Oregon, yes. They, they use a lot less than Washington. Yeah, but it, it's been an education for them. And, I mean, they're still, they still are using it, but they're being more respectful of people. You know, we have a, we have a spring our water comes from a spring, and it's on, you know, it origin, originates uh, very close to state forestry land. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were really concerned about that, and, and they were, you know. Are you talking about, like, helicopter sprays on yeah, clear cuts? that's right. Hey, please that's don't right. walk on that stuff. Hey, sweetie, you're walking on the mic stuff. You can't be right there. Um, I'm sorry. I'm My bad. Are you talking about uh, helicopter sprays on yes. clear cuts? Yeah, yeah. It's especially adjoining, you know, where property owners or people who are living right there. Yeah. And there's, you know, tons of documentation about drift. And so, yeah, no, I mean, we were pretty successful in working with them. And, and you know, if there was, you know, getting them to, to you know, release, manually release, you know, alders and stuff that they felt were you know uh competing with their 
monoculture. So just to let it grow <laughs> a little bit more naturally. Or, you know, come in with chainsaws and cut down, you know, competing vegetation. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. not spray it. Yeah. Yeah. And are they doing that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. There's got to be, uh, I mean, I'm sure they've done research and stuff, but they let a lot of weeds grow in those, in those clear cuts in the five years and really more like 10 years after a clear cut because they're at least in Washington state, they're not required to follow the same regulations of weed laws that, that regular citizens are. So like if I was to, if I was to buy a piece of property and I cut it down and I clear cut it, uh, I would be subject to noxious weed laws. Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be allowed to let tansy ragwort just become established and go crazy. You're interrupting sweetie. No. And if, um, dang, Melzi can't really, you really can't do that. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, Tansy ragwort. Oh yeah. But, um, which we don't really want growing anyway. No, it's a toxic plant. Yeah. It's very bad stuff, but it's against the law to have on your property here. I see. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the double standard. Exactly. Yeah. And, and money talks. What's up, Mills? I'll come back out when I'm... Okay. Amelia, do you want to hear Uncle Ned play a song first? Let's, let's have him play a song instead. And then I'm going to go back and... Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast. We're going to wrap up the podcast with a song. So, yeah. Ned, take it away. Yeah, this is... Uh, you know, I've written actually a fair amount of songs. And uh, the Brownsmead Flats... Uh, do a lot of their own music and mostly about writing about place. So writing about living in, in this area. And um, lately I've been doing uh, more songs about uh, gratitude. So this is one and... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the author Brian Doyle, but he writes about, he's no longer with us, but uh, he wrote, he writes about place. He writes about living like on the coast. He was a Portland author and uh, he, he has this series of essays called The One Long River of Song. And I, I couldn't get that title out of my head, so I wrote a song called one long river of song I long to float upon One long river of song The landslide slowly by The music buries a song As we travel down This river of song Let's all join in and sing along. They have Amelia dancing for me, inspiring me, especially this next verse. May we cherish our children and their children too. Share the joy and wonder in all the things they do. As we travel down this river of song Let's all join in 
sitting and singing along. I'm not sure about that edge there where she's... Okay. With humility and humor, may we embrace life's mystery. Let's jump into the boat and ride down to the sea. As we travel down this river of song, let's all join in and sing along. May our life on earth be one long river of song. Let's sing its praises as we float along. As we travel down this river of song, let's all join in and sing along. As we travel down this river of song, let's all join in and sing along, and sing along, and sing along, and sing along. Man, we had some good dancing there, Amelia. I'm so glad you came out to do that. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>